Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. I have the pleasure of inviting Dr. Alex Nimzura, who is a neuroscientist, today to talk about communication, hearing, and emotions. Well, this happens to be her specialty because she started in Miami University here in Ohio and received her Bachelor's of Arts in Psychology, Neuroscience, and Spanish. And she conducted behavioral neuroscience research in humans while she was there. She then went on to the Northeastern Ohio Medical University and Kent State University and went on to receive her doctorate in biomedical science, neuroscience. But during her graduate studies, she conducted behavior neuroscience research in, ro in rodents. The focus of her research was on hearing, communication, and emotions. And I'm really excited to be able to go over this topic because so much of everything we do, we really take for granted, has to do with those three things. She's continuing to use her passion for communication, working as a medical writer to this day, and is also a mom of a darling year-and-a-half-year-old girl named Stella. Thank you, Alex, for joining us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I, I was, I'm so excited to hear about the work that you did. I, I know that we've been friends for a long time, mm -hmm. and so I had the pleasure of watching you grow and really uh, advance your studies, and I'm really proud of you, first oh, of all, you. to say that, because I know that's, that's not an easy task to do. But I'm very interested in really what you studied and what you learned from this. And we're going to apply it to how it is going to improve and affect our families. Because realistically, again, what we hear, what we communicate, and how we feel is it's it's part of our everyday life. It's exactly. everything to us, right? Exactly. So, you know... Communication or acoustic communication or hearing, which I call like receptive language is another way to mm -hmm. say it. It's a, a very important part of our everyday lives and our relationships, as I've already mentioned. But can you explain to our listeners like exactly why? Sure. Um, well, hearing is so important to our everyday lives and relationships because it allows us to share information about our environment such as potential dangers and threats and information about the way we feel, like the, our emotional state. I think that's fascinating because when I, when I think about this, it's, it's interesting because I know in my practice, I'm always, you know, when a child doesn't talk, for example, I, I very soon, like when I'm taking a history or asking the parents question, I want to know, do they have the ability to hear? Because mm -hmm. if they can't hear what someone is saying to them, they're not going to be able to turn around and just talk. Exactly. 
And so it's very important, like that acoustic communication or that um, receptive language. And listening and hearing is something, as I mentioned already, that people do take advantage or take it granted, take it for granted. I know Mm -hmm. I do. Um, But there's a lot of benefit to thinking about this in regards to our children and grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've really come to apply some of these topics that I learned in my graduate studies now that I'm a mom to Mm -hmm. a one and a half year old, um, which has been really cool to see. And, you know, it's just so important to be able to communicate with your child and to know what they're telling you um, with both the words that they choose to say to you and with how they say them. Mm -hmm. And it really, you know, opens up a lot of, um, you know, that's that's important, valuable information for your relationship with your child. So that's why and, it's and your spouse or really anybody exactly, but mm-hmm. especially children, especially when they're younger and haven't learned to kind of form their words right. yet. But you could apply this to really any age, right? Yes, absolutely. So uh, tell me about I, I an experience like I know that um, what we say to kids, you know, I I say this all the time. It's like, we might not be, they might not be listening or they don't appear to be listening, but they're definitely hearing you. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) And I won't give my example of what Gabe was saying in preschool, but I do remember you telling me an example of what Stella had said. And you kind of questioned like, where did she hear that? from? Yes, absolutely. Um, So, so uh, Stella's daycare teacher told me that she was trying to put on one of the other kids' shoes, and Stella wanted her shoes put on first. So Stella turned to her teacher and said, no, 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 shaking her finger, apparently. <laughs> and <laughs> I told her teacher, I said, I have no idea where she got that from. And then a couple days go by, we're at home, and Stella goes to press the test button on the carbon monoxide detector. Oh. And you know how that makes that loud pitch oh, yeah. sound, or high-pitched sound. And um, speaking of sounds, yes, speaking of sounds. So I said to her, I said, no, no, no. And then I stopped and I thought, oh, my goodness, she got that from me. She did. (laughs) She did. I'd love to hear about, you know, now that you're a mom and, you know, um, and you have a family, but you've been part of a family, too. And like I said, a lot of these things can apply to really any relationship. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like communication and hearing and your perspective as a parent, what you've been able to take from your graduate studies and applying it now in your real life? Mm -hmm. Um, I think some of the main things are really seeing the emotions behind what Stella says, even though she's you know, she's, her speech is still developing, so she doesn't have many words that she can choose to say yet. But she, you know, the way she says these sounds or the select few words that she does say, the the emotion behind it, the way it's delivered, you know, you can, it tells you a lot about how she's really feeling. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of the main things I've taken away um, from my studies. So tell me a little bit about your studies. Like, what what sure. did you do? I know you you worked with did some behavioral studies with humans in college, and then with the uh, rodents in in um, in your graduate studies. Explain. I, I'm very interested in in hearing like how you what your dissertation was, and mm-hmm. again, let's then take it a step further and just how we can apply that now to help the families. Yeah. So I studied emotions and hearing in mice. And um, what I did was I 
played these vocalizations to these mice, and I, I looked at their stress responses and their behavioral responses to try to understand what these vocal sounds mean to them. Mm. And what I found was that the vocal sounds that I played did have emotional meaning to these mice. They increased their stress levels and changed their behaviors. And um, these this effect actually, you know, it differed between male and female listeners. Mm. So that's something that's also important to consider is that, you know, the meaning of sounds emotionally can differ between males and females. And actually, we see this in humans as well. Um, you know, when a baby's crying, um, there is an increased physiological response from both male and female listeners. So both mom and dad are going to have, you know, increased heart rate when they hear baby crying. However, males, um, there was a study where males actually reported greater irritation than females to the sound of a baby crying. So it's really more of an aversive sound to males than it is to females. So depending on the sex of the listener, that emotional, emotionally meaningful sound, um, you know, differed between males and females. Um, and that's fascinating to yeah. me. I mean, I could see how that could be true, but I, I guess unless you understand that this is, you know, this is science, like we know this to be true scientifically and that, and I want to tell all you fathers out there, you know, don't feel bad about that. This exactly. is, this is something that is innate, I guess, mm -hmm. or as part of, you know, your, your, your DNA, it's part of who you're made. Now, that's not to say even then individually, everybody responds to different sounds differently. Mm -hmm. um, I know, like, for example, my husband, John, and and uh, and he knows this too, that he doesn't like repetitive noises, mm -hmm. you know, so whenever he hears like somebody chewing really loud or somebody, and there's not just male and female like you know, some people don't like that and other people, they, it's like they don't even hear it. Mm -hmm. You know, have you ever, you know, sometimes I've said, do you hear that? And somebody will be like, no, I don't even hear it. And right, it's like, how exactly. can you not hear that? Exactly. You know, it's kind of funny. We, again, we take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that when, what I learned from that is that as, you know, moms, we have this innate need to then, you know, comfort the baby probably for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. One is because we want the baby to feel better and meet their needs, but we also mm -hmm. don't want the irritation. Exactly. And so we, I think that we kind of know, you know, that, that, you know, is going on and communication. I just want to say for our families is so important. Like, don't be afraid if you're a mom or a dad and you don't like this sound or that sound, you, you have to just communicate. It's better to understand each other than to let it get to the point where all of a sudden you're, you're really reactive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so it's, it's, it's good, but it's, it's a true statement because I know too, one of the hardest things and is when I tell people that they're going to have to cry some if we're going to get them to sleep through the night. And, yes. so, mm -hmm. and that's so hard. I understand because of course, you know, probably on the other side of the door is a mom who's feeling guilty and, a, exactly. and more than likely a dad who's feeling a little irritated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what explain exactly though, 
like what is what sound is yeah and hearing and just kind of how it works so it's a really interesting process so sound is actually created by vibrations um if something in the environment um, creates an, a vibration then these vibrations travel through the air and um, whether it's you know air or another medium such as solid or liquid um, and then they reach the ear and the stronger the vibrations are the louder the sound is and also the pitch of the sound depends on the speed of these vibrations so that's how you get these the you know difference in quality of these these sounds is by the nature of the vibrations and uh, once the sound reaches the ear these vibrations are then transformed into nerve impulses that are then conveyed to the brain and that's where they're interpreted as sounds and um, as the brain processes these sounds, um, it then determines how to behave in response to them. So whether the appropriate response is a vocal response, you know, what you want to say back to the sound that you heard, or whether it's a certain behavior, you're going to do something. If you hear someone yell, you know, fire, yeah. you're going to run out of the room. Right. Um, so, you know, it your brain then works to determine what is the appropriate response to this sound. Um, and part of the sound processing process is, yeah. you know, this emotional response. And a lot of sounds do activate the emotion centers of the brain. Well, that makes sense to me. I mean, think about when you're watching a movie mm -hmm. and, you know, it's something scary is about to happen right. and it's scary music and it mm -hmm. makes you feel even more scared mm -hmm. or it's happy, you know, something's happy. And so they play happy music, you know, and mm -hmm. so it's uh, it's interesting. And, you know, that's why I'll tell some teenagers, you know, actually, while I don't want them to use electronics before bed because mm -hmm. it can, you know, suppress their natural uh, ability to fall asleep and produce melatonin, which helps us sleep. Right. I do tell them it's okay to listen to sounds, you know, and it, it could be a fan or a rain app or meditation or a podcast or a podcast. Right. <laughs> and I also, but I tell them, you know, I, what I don't want you to do is you know, play ACDC, Absolutely. you know, something that's going to be mm -hmm. really stimulating. But let's even talk about exercise. Like mm -hmm. I know I will run faster, walk faster, be like really into it if the music is, that I'm listening to. So Absolutely. I, I, you know, we don't even realize that it's, it's so emotional what we're taking in. And mm -hmm. thank you for explaining how we hear because mm -hmm. It, it took you a few minutes uh, to explain it, but it's seconds for, I mean, even for our listeners to hear what we're saying to exactly. them right now, what you described like happens so quickly. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. I mean, you do, ha we are a couple of nerds right now sitting yes. in a, Absolutely. <laughs> in a studio. I so I hope you're enjoying it as much oh as we gosh, are right yeah. now. <laughs> um, but you know what, this, this does say a lot about our emotional state, not about, like you said, when Stella talks, it's like, not just what she says, but how she says it. And mm -hmm. I think it's the same way with us. So, mm -hmm. you know, like give an example of either with Stella or maybe in a, you know, another situation on like, what, what would be different? Like, how could you tell the difference between some, you know, what their emotion is just based on how they're talking? Yeah. Well, so I have to, you know, admit that this is not something that I've seen as much with Stella um, since she 
you know, her speech is still developing. Right, right. But let's imagine an older kid who, you know, they they say, you know, I'm fine, but their voice is kind of trembling. Oh, right. And you know that they're really not fine. No. So, you know, even though the words are saying that they're okay, it's how they say it. Their voice is wobbly. It's a little shaky. You know, you know that they're sad. And, um, you know, this is why it's important to really listen to how things are said, not just what is being said. And, you know, the same goes with adults as well. You know, children can really, they're in tune to how we're feeling and they can tell based on the way we're saying things, how we're feeling. Um, You know, that's why I think it's really important to be open with your child about how you're feeling because I think they know what's going on better than maybe we think they know. And and that's true, but they might not understand why. Exactly. And many times kids will think, well, we all do. Is it me? Right. Did I do something? I mean, think about that in our own relationships with anyone, even a friend. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, wait, are they mad at me? Like, what did I do? Right. And kids will do the same thing. And we have to keep that in mind mm-hmm. because, of course, as a parent, we're thinking, oh, you know, this isn't about you. I'm just, I had a bad day or, you know, something just happened or I got a text of bad news, but they don't know that. Exactly. So, and they get that information, like you said, from our own emotional state. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being open with kids, explain a little, or not with kids, with, with the, with I actually know with kids, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. So being open with kids about how we are feeling, um, describe, go into a little more detail with that. Like how would you, how would you explain to a mom or a dad or a grandparent, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe in a situation what they should do if they're, if they are feeling a certain type of emotion before, or even if it's a response, an emotional response to something the child's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because how we respond to them also will make a difference on what the next steps are. So if you don't mind going a little detail on that. Um, I think one of the most important things to remember is that emotions are completely natural. They're normal. They're part of our human instincts. We're going to feel a certain way to various things in our environment. Like you mentioned, sometimes you just have a bad day or you get a bad text, some bad news. Um, you know, I think it's important to consider, to, to really think about with yourself, where are these emotions coming from? What was the stimulus that made me feel the way I do now? And be completely open with your loved ones, your family, your kids about why you feel the way you feel, you know, There are times where I will tell Stella, you know, mommy feels frustrated because you're making these sounds with this toy, you know, Uh and, and I know that, you know, she's still learning to speak and understand, but I think some of it does get through to her that, you know, there actually have been times I'll, I'll be completely honest. She's, you know, like every toddler at some point, she has, you know, hit me before and I say, you know, don't hit we don't like that. You know, we don't do that. And then I say, that hurt. Mommy's sad. And she'll give me a hug. And it's the sweetest thing ever. (laughs) But, you know, just being open with your, you know, your child about how you feel and why you feel the way you feel, you know, I think that can only help your relationships. And, you know, just having this open conversation about emotions, not being afraid to feel emotions, and then not being afraid to admit or vocalize 
or talk about why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And that teaches them also then how to communicate. Exactly. Because then they're going to be less likely to act out Mm -hmm. or do something and they'll learn, okay, I just need to tell my friend or if they're older and 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 can verbalize, you know, I just need to tell my friend what's going on. And, uh, you know, for example, they might think I'm ignoring her, but it's, I'm not ignoring her. I'm just, I need to be, you know, space or something, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just whatever it is, don't be afraid to explain, you know, or to explain like when you do this, this is how it makes me feel because we know otherwise, if you didn't tell Stella that sound does not make me feel good or, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't like it or how, you know, ever you communicate that, then what's going to happen is she's going to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get to the point where now you're yelling at her. Exactly. Which that you've told me can be counterproductive. Exactly. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. how should we yell at our kids? Like, that's what we have to figure out. I remember one time, Alex, I saw this really nice Southern mom. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, she has the sweetest voice. And I'm thinking, how does she yell at her kids? <laughs> oh. Now you stop that. Right. <laughs> and let me tell you, she was just as an effective mother as, you know, anyone. Mm-hmm. And she never raised her voice. So that's great. Yeah. So I'd love to hear what's all, what's that all about? Because yeah, so- I felt like I had to raise my voice a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of times it's easier said than done. Yes. But, you know, in our household, we really we really limit raising our voices even when we're upset um, because raising your voice can can cause a negative emotional response from your child. And I'm sure, you know, you found, you know, with raising teenagers, that can be especially difficult because once they hear you yelling at them, they're going to yell back. Right. Because they're getting this natural emotional response to this negative sound. That's just a natural um brain response. Right. And, um, you know, then you're losing the point of, of what you're trying to get across to them because everyone's just emotions are heightened. Their stress levels are through the roof and it really just doesn't get anybody anywhere. No. So that's why, you know, another, it goes back to just communicating and making sure that you're getting these points across in a calm way so that everyone keeps their cool and you actually make more progress that way, I think. Yes, because I think that uh, any child at any age might walk away from that experience and they don't realize I shouldn't have done this. They walk away and say, my mom or dad was yelling at me. Exactly. Or they hate me. Exactly. You know, which then bring, that's an emotional response. Yep. Like because they're yelling at me, they must feel this way about me. Right. But what they're really trying to get across is it was the action that they took that, you know, they want to see change. And Mm -hmm. unless you, you communicate that in a way that they hear you, Mm -hmm. then really they're just going to remember that, you know, mom was yelling very loud. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I, I think, you know, like I said about that Southern woman, I always thought, gosh, how, why are her kids are so good? But, you know, <laughs> that's probably why. And, you know, I think it's fascinating, like you said, how our emotional response is definitely 
you know, influenced, you know, whether we're a male or female and Mm -hmm. kind of like how we respond to it. Mm -hmm. And you have mentioned too, that, you know, humans aren't the only ones that use vocalizations for communications. Mm -hmm. So, um, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people don't know that actually, you know, many other species use vocal vocalizations to transmit information to each other. And um, this is actually really common in rodents. Um, so it's pretty well studied in rodents, which is why I focused on mice for my dissertation research, because you can then study these rodent vocalizations to understand human vocalizations and, and communication behaviors. Um, now, it's important to keep in mind that mice are not the same as humans. So, you know, you can't assume. It's not one-to-one. Exactly, exactly. But But you learned a lot about that. Exactly. So, you know, understanding rodent communication can help, you know, provide the basis for understanding human communication. And, um, yeah, so that's why that work is so important. Now... I sometimes, and you know, I, there's a lot, this is a new buzzword, I should say. And I, I say it like that because it really wasn't a diagnosis that you could even find like a code for as a, Mm -hmm. as a physician uh, or psychologist or, you know, scientist. And that is the auditory processing disorder. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. and, and you do not have to be autistic to have auditory processing. So Mm -hmm. if you don't mind for our listeners, exactly what is that? Because they might think, you know, something's wrong with my child or, and it might just be that it's how they're responding to that sense. Right. Versus not really have anything to do with their cognitive ability or or it may. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what is, what's that all about? So, interestingly, this central auditory processing disorder really um, doesn't even have to do with someone's hearing abilities or whether their ears are working correctly. It's something that goes on in the brain okay. where um, they're not understanding these sounds, even though they can hear them. Okay. They can't make sense of certain things. Um, they often misinterpret what they hear. And um, in some cases, they have an abnormal emotional response to what they hear. Um, so, for example, let's say someone says, you know, you did really great out there. And, and someone gets upset about that. Uh, you know, they think maybe someone's being sarcastic or, you know, or maybe that's not the best example. But No, but I get it. Like, they should be thinking, I did really great. They're saying I did really great. But what mm-hmm. you mean is that they're, it's, it's not a misinterpretation mm-hmm. It's actually that they hear them saying that and they don't process it the way that they should. Right. And they hear something totally different. Right. They have an abnormal emotional response to what they hear. Um, So this is something that can occur with autism spectrum disorder um, or it can occur without it. Um, And um, it can also occur with disorders such as ADHD. Mm or even phonophobia, like exactly, yeah. <laughs> like my husband has. <laughs> right. I had to look it up. I'm like, there's got to be a name to when you don't like repetitive noises. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, yeah. So it's just an abnormal emotional response to what we hear. So um, that's why also this, you know, research um, is really important because you know it sets the basis. Um, like you know, my dissertation work where I was trying to understand what do these sounds 
normally mean to the animals. And once we establish what the sound normally mean or is supposed to mean, the emotional response that's quote unquote typical, yeah, then you can you know, leverage that in future studies to then figure out, you know, what's going wrong when this speech is being misinterpreted. So when does, when does a child actually learn to hear? You know, I always hear Mm -hmm. parents who like play Mozart, you know, while they're (laughs) pregnant and all this stuff. I mean, what, what would you tell the listeners is important to do? It's so actually, um, a fetus in utero can start hearing some of their first sounds around 18 weeks of pregnancy. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. So it's very early. Um, so interestingly, you can talk to your child, your unborn child, and you know familiarize them with your voice. And yeah. that's something I think is really important to do so that when they really, you know, come into the world, they, they know your voice and they're, you know, attached to you. And, um, and, there was a study that came out many years ago that had a um, it showed a very slight link between IQ and playing classical music um, during pregnancy. Okay, um, but this was kind of it's not been repeated. And okay, it's you know very like loose evidence. You know, it's kind of you know not super supported. Um, so the commonly agreed upon stance is that playing music to your child um, in the womb is not going to make them smarter. Um, however, it does um, result in increased brain activity okay. in your child. So um, so it's still beneficial. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, with young kids, it's, um, you know, um, toddlers and stuff. It's, it's good to play music and stuff because it helps with their speech development and mm-hmm. it can help with their motor skills if it becomes, you know, a dance party, if they're dancing to these songs. Like, it's, it's good to, you know, it's, it's good to get that rhythm and that, you know, so it's good. Yeah. And, and what's fun, too, is that also allows you to spend time with them. And, and it's a great, it's a great, dance parties are a great playtime activity, but even listening to music and, again, you know, it, 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 it helps with our emotional state. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so choosing the right music and singing along, you know, we used to do that. I remember as kids before we had cell phones that could, or iPads that yeah. could entertain mm-hmm. us is just singing in the car, you know, mm-hmm. and, and listening to music because if it was a long ride, you know, everybody gets cranky. So yes. what, what do we do? We play a fun game or we do something that, and it, it completely changes how we feel. Oh my gosh. 100%. That's actually something that our family likes to do on a daily basis almost we just play just uplifting music and honestly it's just an instant instant mood booster well and getting back to like the whole mimicking thing and 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 understanding it's so cute like you said learning language like I tell people reading too is so important but again Mm -hmm. it's all about hearing what they hear hearing the sounds hearing your voice doing something that's that you do together is so important mm-hmm. um, because they will mimic you. Yes. When, when parents come to me and say, well, they say this word, this word, this word, but I don't really know they, if they know what they're saying. I tell them that's right. You right. know, at their developmental age, that's absolutely right. And if they don't repeat it over and over, it's okay. They're just right. learning to make sounds. Mm-hmm. And then as their language grows, it can be challenging with the toddler though, especially before language, because I always say, 
you know, they know what they want to say. They know what they want to do. They can't say it. They can't do that. Right. And I know, you know, and so you have to kind of also be, you know, like a detective and try to think, okay, when they're doing this behavior, what is going on? before that. And you actually taught me something and that was called clotheslining. Oh yes. <laughs> and I love that story if you don't mind sharing it because I didn't know what clothesline. I'm like, what is clotheslining? Yeah. So, so that was, um, it, oh gosh, that was a funny one. Um, so I got a report home from Stella's daycare that she was clotheslining her friends and, to be completely honest, I had to Google what that meant. Okay. Um, and I guess it's a wrestling move. Well, then I don't move. feel so bad. No, I didn't know no, what it was. No, it's not either. you. <laughs> I guess it's a wrestling move where you knock someone down. I, I'm i still not completely sure, to be honest. Okay, I but, get it. Basically, you're just like, don't, you know, exactly. like hold your arm out and kind of, you know, make them like it's a clothesline, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a kind of a way to prevent them from doing something probably. Right, so, right. And so, so you're like, why is she doing this? Sir, exactly. Which is why I then immediately texted you. I was like, Sarah, help. What do we do? <laughs> and, you know, we talked about how this is a lot of times how toddlers express themselves when their speech is still developing. They don't know how to um, say what they're feeling to get what they want, for example. So, so they'll take that out in physical ag- aggression. Um, and you gave me some helpful advice. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I said she must, there must be something about what's going on, you know, at the daycare that she's clotheslining this particular other child because she's basically, it's a way of communication. Exactly. And that's what she's doing. She She's somehow getting the word across. So if you find that, you know, you're in that situation at home. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. what you're saying is, um, you know, cause I'm one of those type of people, I like to talk about what we're going to talk about and then kind of, kind of summarize it. Cause it's so important because I think too, not just, you know, we, it's so important to pay attention to the way that we talk to our, our kids, but it's also important the way we talk to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, you know, your kids really are listening to what you say, even if you don't think they are, they're taking it in. And, you know, this is why, um, you know, I think every human does this at some point where you make a comment that's maybe negative about yourself. Like, let's say, you know, oh, I feel fat in this outfit or Oh, I hate my nose or, you know, just I hate my hair. Exactly. Hate my hair. Yeah. And, you know, I wish I had blue eyes. Right. And your kids are picking up on that. And, you know, the way you talk about yourself and about others, that's going to influence how your children think about themselves and about the world. And that's why it's so important to really think about what you're saying before you say it, because, you know, they're like your kids are like sponges. That's right. That's right. They're taking it all in. And we don't realize it until you hear it back from them. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes it's funny. <laughs> right, right, right. Sometimes it's not. Then sometimes you're like, oh, you know, I, I feel bad, you know, because I realize they get that from me. Right. right. And, but that, but we can make it positive, you know, 100%. now that we all know that it's really just that we really do not want to take for granted that the things that we say and hear affect our emotions mm-hmm. and affects how we feel. And as parents, we have to be protective of that. Absolutely. And, and, and protective of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, because what we say 
it really does provide a lot of information about our emotional state. Mm -hmm. Well, before we say goodbye, and I could sit here and talk all day. In fact, one thing that I'm going to invite Dr. Nemzura back, because I see a lot of kids with ear infections, and I think we could do an entire talk about ear infections, and I hope all your parents and grandparents out there are like, yes, yes, I want to hear that. So, um (laughs) Well, especially this time of year with, you know, mm-hmm. with more colds and things like that. And, uh, and that does affect hearing, Absolutely. you know, because when you mm-hmm. describe the whole sound process, you know, an ear infection and the fluid in the ear does affect that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, so stay tuned. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get into that too, but I'd like to just ask, you know, just one last comment, if there's anything that we haven't said that you really want to um, empower, you know, these families, especially when it comes to hearing communication and emotions. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, just really paying attention to hearing and communication and prioritizing them because, you know, as we discussed earlier, this is something that a lot of people do take for granted. And, um, you know, it's such an important part of our daily lives and our interactions with people and how you know, we interact with our children and grandchildren and um, to just really make a point of thinking about how you communicate with your child or grandchild and, um, you know, just applying these concepts that we discussed to Mm -hmm. try to just, you know, be better in how you communicate and how you understand the way your child is feeling. Yeah. And how they respond because we're all different. So some of the things that we mentioned you know, maybe you need to get a little louder to just get their attention. Mm -hmm. But when you really want to get the word across, like Brittany said in one of the other podcasts, a calm brain calms a brain. So it's all about, you know, our human brain is just fascinating. And these little brains are so cool. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's not too late, parents, no matter what age your child is to to learn how to communicate with them and to teach them Mm -hmm. how to communicate and also respond in in healthy ways. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you again for listening to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Please follow us on any uh, podcast shows that you listen to, like Spotify or Apple podcast and let's grow up together.